Erica Rust is a live sound engineer specializing in systems engineering. She currently freelances under her company Wavelength Engineering and works with companies such as Solitech, Sound on Stage, Creative Technology, and more. Her experience ranges a diverse clientele from touring with artists such as Seventeen, Sarah McLaughlin, and Hillsong United, among others, to high-profile corporate events for companies such as IBM, Oracle, and Salesforce. Recently, she has been getting more involved with education and audio and is also an active member and blogger for Soundgirls. Welcome, Erica. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Uh, So I've listened to a few podcasts that you've been on, and they all talk about how you're from San Francisco and your parents did uh, laser lights and all sorts of fun stuff, and you've been in this world of audio visual for most of your life is that correct yeah well uh yes and no like my my mom and dad it's true they did laser shows for a living before i was born you know my sister always jokes that i was conceived in the warehouse where (laughs) gear was kept so i think that's kind of funny and telling um but i've i've been in the actual industry for about 10 years i started out actually back in college, originally going to school in upstate New York for creative writing and electronic music. And I did about a year of schooling there at Bard College and then decided I was sort of done learning from books for the time. So I came back to California, worked a couple jobs, saved up some money, and then went traveling through Europe for two and a half months, like doing a backpacking trip which I always encourage people to like go outside of their bubble, whatever their bubble is and see, you know, experience places. Yeah. And, and so I, when I came back at that point, I I knew that what I really wanted to do was audio and that I ended up actually taking classes at San or city college of San Francisco, which is a community college in the San Francisco Bay area. And I did, I was in there originally, you know, for the reason that most people go to audio school, which is they want to record albums for their favorite bands. Um, So I did, I was doing their studio recording program, but then uh, I met one of the teachers there, Dana Jay, who was one of the teachers in the broadcast program. And she was teaching the live sound class and she kind of got me interested in the live sound stuff. And so I took her class and then went through the certificate program for live sound. And uh, part of the the whole requirements for the certificates is you had to do an internship program. Cool. So I had a, a buddy of mine who did sound for an event that my friend Tiffany and I threw because back in the day we used to throw electronic music events in the Bay area. And we had hired my friend to do sound for our event. And when it came time to do an internship, I was like, hey, do you mind if, uh, do you think I could work for you for my internship hours? And he was like, yeah, totally. And so I ended up working there uh, with word of mouth sound and then no no audio, K-N-O-W. And I, after finishing my internship hours, I got hired. So that was like the first ever sound job that I had. How long did you intern? Um, I can't remember exactly, but it's like I finished the internship hours. And then after that, I was like, they were like, well, you're hired, basically. Or 
that's our, awesome. Where I was like, can I still work for you, but get paid? <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. And it's funny because I was actually talking to someone who had reached out to me on Facebook and pretty much every sound related job that I've had up until I started to to tour and do freelance touring, I got because I started out as an intern and then got hired from that. Very cool. So, so then after City College, I did two years of that for my trade certificates and then matriculated into the San Francisco State uh, Broadcast and Electronic Communication Arts Program. And one of the profess the professor there, John Barsodi, John Barsodi, excuse me, is really well known in the San Francisco audio community. Cool. And he directed me to, you know, if you want to learn live or if you want to work in live sound in the Bay Area, you got to work for sound on stage. They're the best company. And so I, uh, you know, hit up the general manager who was actually a graduate from SF State and he gave me my internship there. So I started out as an intern, same thing for internship hours as part of my uh, bachelor's requirements. And then after I finished my hours, I got hired and I was there or, you know, I've been working with them for a long time at this point. That's awesome. So how did you get into, did you learn like systems engineering and that kind of stuff there in the, in the warehouses that you were interning in, like how to use smart and all that other kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, when you're working as on the, for a local production company, you end up wearing, of course, a lot of hats but one of the hats that's often worn is as a system tech f providing a PA for a tour that's coming. Like, let's say it's a fly date or, you know, they're they're renting local PA for an event, right? Because mm -hmm. the tour isn't traveling with PA. So that was, I often ended up on those positions as a system tech. Okay. And so that's kind of where I got my initial experience and then when I, I started touring, that's really what I was specializing on. That's awesome. Yeah. So you learn like grassroots, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's funny because like I def I come from the, you know, traditional academic background of going to school for audio. Sure. But I always tell people, you know, it's you don't necessarily need to go to school for this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. You can. I know I have a coworker from sound on stage who's now retired and he louie and he spent you know 40 years in the industry touring around the world and i don't think he i think he didn't graduate high school is what he told me and you know he learned everything from just the school of hard knocks like doing yeah. it on the gig so it's really more about your like willingness to learn and gather information i i liked the having a uh, academic background is nice if you, if you don't really know what to do and you're looking for that sort of underlying structure sure you know mm -hmm. what are you learning during your downtime since we're all in a pandemic and not really working much ah <laughs> <clears throat> oh, right like uh since are you t so during this downtime you mean yeah yeah since march i've been you know really trying to do a lot of webinars. The great thing is that all the manufacturers have provided so much educational content, whether it's yeah. um, 
learning, learning their programs or just about audio in general, or if it's a certification program, like there's a lot of resources out now. Um, so I've been trying to stay up with that, but also, you know, going more in depth with some of my blogs for sound girls. And then also, you know, one of the, one of the income routes that I have had during this time was, uh, doing webinars myself and lectures about audio and talking mostly about system optimization and the systems engineer side of things. But that's been really cool because it's definitely uh, opened my eyes to something that I want to continue pursuing uh, in the future. But I straight up nerd out on that some of the stuff you've been doing. Uh, <laughs> Yay! I awesome. love your blog, by the way. If you if you all out there are listening and have not uh, jumped on Erica's blog, please do so. Check out the Sound Girls blogs that she's doing. Um, it's it's all nerded out stuff and I love it. It's I I I'm, I get all geeky just thinking about it. Um, I read one last night, even just like in preparation for our interview, and I'm like, oh, I love this. I remember reading this when it first came out, and it was super fun. So I'm I learned from you uh, reading it, you know, and I've been doing this forever. So thank you for doing that. Thank you, thank you for that great feedback. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I haven't jumped on any of your webinars though. What are your do you have like a space where you're hosting them or? or no, uh, some have been private webinars. So, okay. you know, not published, obviously. And then others have been for things like the, I, I spoke at the Live Sound Summit earlier this year, stuff like that. Cool. Um, but other other than sort of working on my own personal education, I would definitely have to say that a lot of this time I've also spent... Um, doing sort of self-reflection and taking time for my, mo my own mental health, mm. because I think that's something that's really downplayed in our industry in general, especially for, uh, you know, people working in live events. But I think it could be said about the entire audio industry in general is the, we're, we're not so great at taking care of our own mental health. And it's something that, you know, self-care is important for uh, longevity in the industry. I've seen a lot of that coming out this past summer um, of like webinars and we've hosted them as well, uh, Becky and I and her friend. Um, it's something that's completely underrated and that nobody has addressed. I feel like I haven't seen it until this year. This is like the first time that people have been outspoken about it, which is good. Definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. What is something uh, you do for self-care? I, you know, during this time, I've gotten back in touch with my, one of my favorite hobbies, which is dance. So that's been nice to actually have time to devote to dance a little bit on the side. Because uh, that basically all but disappeared once I started touring. Sure. There, there's no time for it, really. So that's been really nice to get back in touch with the hobbies and things that sort of disappear by the wayside when you're working all the time. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up uh, for sure, we wanted to bring up, um, is that you are nominated for a Parnelli Next Gen Award, which is awesome. Yes. Congratulations on the nomination. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Looks like winners will be announced um, January 2022. Is that the... 
the plan? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what I've heard is they're uh, projecting for 2022 for the next NAM show, I believe. Do they have the different categories or, and you know what category? Because I'm trying to find out for the next year, but I haven't seen, I've only found things for last year's. I am not entirely positive on that. So okay. I would definitely check how in did, with the- How did that come folks. about? How, how did that yeah. nomination come about? How did, I don't know how that all works. So I was, I'm curious. Yeah, I got nominated by a previous Parnelli winner. So cool. that I think it's inter it's internally voted voting is my understanding. So I feel really grateful that I got nominated for this. It, it's you know it's very humbling. It's awesome. I'm super excited about that for you. And uh, yeah, we're rooting for you. So yeah, that's so fun. Thank you. Yeah. Con congrats. Well deserved. I feel like something I still struggle with is and. I'm sure many people do in this industry is the feeling of imposter syndrome, mm. you know, always, uh, you know, there's this point of doubting yourself. You're like, Oh, am I doing this thing? Right. Am I doing that thing? Right. And like, part of me tries to keep that mentality somewhere in the back of my mind only because it keeps me humble and sharp. Like you don't ever want to get into a state of complacency where you're not pushing yourself to do better, right? Sure. But there's this sort of fine line between what the, you know, pushing yourself to do better and then the balance of also believing in yourself or having that mm -hmm. self-confidence. And I, I definitely feel like I'm still trying to find that balance. Do you think that some of that could be uh, just kind of what's put on us as young girls coming up or young people coming up in the industry just not being mentored properly and not being told you can do this job and and that do you think that some of that in your mind is probably from that well I can only speak to my own personal experience and I feel that you know it's just sort of my own uh, personal views that I have to struggle my own mental states that I have to struggle with to really you know, have that confidence, but it also, you know, I think it's really particular to the, to the individual sort of on what they're, we're, on what they're, what's kind of keeping them from one thing from mm -hmm. succeeding. But at the same time, there's a lot to be said for the fact that the industry pushes people in, you know, we're going back to the mental health question here. You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of expectations on the from the industry that you know to push yourself beyond what maybe you know for most people would consider unhealthy the long hours mm -hmm. you know stamp taking time away from your family and all these things uh or friends your social life all that and that can affect your mental state too sure but i think you know one of the questions here that we're talking about is the role of who we are in our in our position in the industry and how how that kind of gets reflected in the work that we do or the work that we're seen as right mm -hmm. you know i think i've gotten the question a lot whether it's on interviews or on in other situation you know just in casual conversation about, you know, whoa, what's it like being a woman in the industry? And, you know, I, 
I inherently have a an issue with this question in and of itself because I think it, I want to almost like turn that question back and say, why is it that when you look at a person, you assume their gender, right? You know, it's what, the year what's tw- it like being a man in the industry. Well, not only that, that but it, it's the year 2020 and we can't assume people's pronouns or gender based on physical appearance. Sure. We just can't. And the best way to make sure you are being respectful of someone is to ask, you know, what pronouns they prefer. And I think that practice needs to become more commonplace. Mm-hmm. And I think that might help people get the get the perspective of thinking about what these questions are really asked or when, when you ask this question, what are you really asking? Yeah. Because at the root of that question is, do you know what you're doing? Cause you're less than according to whoever's asking the question. Right. I mean, that's the way I take it. If I'm being asked, I'll just be blunt. If I'm being asked by a guy on an interview, like what's it like being a woman in the industry? My exact thought is at the root of that question, you want to know if I'm any, if I'm, if I know what the hell I'm doing because you're a guy and you do, right? Yeah, like, it seems like such a patronizing question. That's how I feel when I get asked that question. Is it, it, it feels very patronizing to me. And it also makes me feel like if I didn't identify as a woman, would you ask that question? You know, and if you did, you would be offending the hell out of me. It's a you lazy know? question. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> It's just a lazy interview question because you couldn't think of anything else to ask. Like if you're interviewing a person because they're an audio engineer, then ask them something about that. Like, why are you asking me about my gender problems or not problems? Right. That's it's annoying. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think there there's good intentions usually behind these questions. Right. You know, the the, the usually the person wants to, you know, be aware of other people's experiences, but I think they're, the question kind of fails to address people's individual circumstance and, you know, and it's making assumptions about people really without, you know, if they ha- if it's something that's like the, one of the first things in a conversation without doing, mm-hmm. uh, really knowing them, they're making a lot of assumptions about their gender with that question if they haven't asked in the first place you know what are your pronouns well how do you prefer to be addressed because that really should be at the beginning of the question if Mm -hmm. if uh if that makes sense yeah totally I mean I'm I'm saying you know I'm a lot older than most of you guys that we interview guys people I say guys all the time for everyone also which I'm learning different things like that like how not to address people that way you know and and being that for 40 years, I talked a different way and I've never asked somebody what their pronouns have been. You know, I'm learning that that's a new thing to ask people and that's a respectful way to treat people and ask people um, things, you know. And so, yeah, if I do that or don't do it the right way, I will definitely apologize for it, you know. And I haven't seen a lot of that going on recently in interviews either. So I'm trying to be as conscious as possible about it just because I know my own bias, you know, is to default to how I was taught and how I grew up, you know, and, and I'm learning like, Hey, it's okay. I can, I can make mistakes and I can say, I'm sorry. And I can learn to be a better person and more kind. And 
<laughs> yeah. I One of my favorite quotes actually is from Maya Angelou, and it's, you know, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. I love I always, that quote, too. Me, me, too. It's a really good one. It's That's a positive way to look at it. So you don't, I mean, we don't have to beat ourselves up about it, Becky, because we didn't, it either part, wasn't part of our culture or we weren't exposed mm-hmm. to it, or it is new. And I'm not sure which, I, I know it's a combination of that, but it's it's new for a lot of people. And by talking about it, and even um, if you present the way the same way that you identify, if that makes sense, and I say she, her, for me, then that makes it more um, normal. And so people aren't thinking it's weird if they see it everywhere. You know what I mean? And that kind of transparency helps other people who may present differently than they identify or may use different pronouns than what you perceive of them, then it helps them be more, uh, other people be more accepting of that. Absolutely. And I think it's important too, that we, you know, normalize asking that question, you know, whether it's at, you know, uh, huddles before a load in when you're talking to the crew, the local crew you're working with that day, or if it's in a job interview or a, you know, an interview in general. So I think the the push forward then is to, you know, for people to just do it and normalize it so it doesn't seem like something that is foreign. It really should just be a normal part of our conversation. It's respectful too. It's more respectful to ask I like rather that. than rather than assume. Good discussion, y'all. I like this. <laughs> do you want to ask her our two questions that we always do? I do, but first I want to ask you if you have any advice for other young up-and-comers since you are since you are next-gen award-winning or nominated <laughs> next-gen award-winning and I'm last-gen, uh, do you have any, any advice for the next generation that you'd like to share? Well, I think, you know, the one I always come back to is always trying to, you know, that sort of like that Maya Angelou quote quote we were talking about, you know, it's always pushing yourself to try and learn more or do better. And especially for people who are just getting into the industry, especially now with the way things are with the pandemic, I think it's really important not to be discouraged and to just keep Mm. persisting. And, you know, whether it, they're like you get rejection from a sound company or a venue or something because you put in an application, you know, don't let that discourage you because that's, I hate to say par for the course for job searching in this industry, but it's like, you know, normally if we weren't in a pandemic, it's hard to find work. And then now on top of that, it's even more difficult, right? Because even the people at the highest level aren't working right now either. So everyone's kind of in the same the same boat. So, uh, you know, I just, I want to keep people encouraged and interested in our profession because there need to be techs when all this is over to do the gigs. Yeah. And, you know, whether that me, I don't fault anyone for having to go find work or switch careers because they have to make ends meet. Like I respect that. And, but I also hope that people will come back to it if they can, if they have yeah. that option or will find their way back into audio just to c- keep this industry continuing. Yeah. I, I like that. Uh, don't lose your disinterest, you know, don't get disinterested with it, you know, do it, 
do a webinar once a week, you know, even if you have another job, uh, listen to the podcast, stay connected somehow. Um, let it feed your passion, you know, um, because I think it will all come back, you know, and we will need those people who are passionate about our industry to do this. So great advice. Thank you. Yeah. You know, like I started a weekly Zoom kind of hangout uh, that's just basically super casual. Me and my friends every Sunday hang out on Zoom and we just talk about audio geekery stuff. And it's <laughs> it started out as like an accountability thing. And I got the idea sort of from my friend, uh, Raina, who's a front of house and tour manager over in Montreal. And she she was doing an accountability coffee group. And I was like, to, you know, to stay inspired with in audio in this time, because it's harder the longer this drags on to stay interested. I'll be honest, you know, yeah. when it's when the the end seems unknown or uncertain. Right. And I part of the my logic behind this Zoom hangout was just to for people, number one, to hang out and talk to other audio folk, because. You put a bunch of audio people or really it's expanded to like production people in general. I'm trying to get my lighting friends to come to it. So it's not <laughs> just a bunch of audio folks and just for people to connect and geek out about their industry and share new stuff that they've learned or maybe just talk about stuff that's going on. And it's, I've been really cool. There's been a lot of interest. I usually have like six to 10 people coming. So if anybody is interested, feel free to, Message me on Facebook for a Zoom link. We'll put all of uh, Erica's links in the in the bio too, show notes and stuff, so you guys can jump on there. Awesome. Do you have a roadie nickname? I don't actually. Oh. I don't have a roadie nickname. Uh, my close friends sometimes call me Rusty, but I don't think that's ever really stuck uh, <laughs> on any tour. So uh, I might have to start calling you Rusty. Do that. <laughs> Hashtag Rusty on everything. <laughs> cool. What is your go-to beverage? Could be like everyday, could be alcoholic, whatever. Could be both. Ooh, coffee. Both. I'm a yeah. coffee. Is the overwhelming, I'm a coffee fiend. I, uh, overwhelmingly popular answer. <laughs> yeah, I take pride in my coffee making abilities in a... Uh, you know, I w actually have like a food scale and I weigh out the coffee and use a wow. burr grinder so it doesn't destroy the oils in the coffee. I'm really kind of OCD oh, about like it. You. <laughs> yeah. I used to bring a French press with me and my electric kettle because I needed I needed that on you know the I the needed to have reliable coffee. The AeroPress man for when you're traveling. Oh, Dude, yeah. that's the best. Yep. Mm. Oh, I'm all there. I'm all in. In San Francisco. Uh, next time I'm out in San Fran, we need to go have some coffee. Well, I'm actually not in San Francisco anymore, or oh, I was okay. living in Berkeley. But uh, as a result of the pandemic, I've had to leave California um, since I the, there's not much work happening right now. So I'm living actually with my sister in Illinois. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's Burr. cold there. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit it's a bit chilly, but it has it's hasn't dipped below the 30s yet. So Ooh, hang in there. <laughs> cool. Yeah, well, thanks so Floridians. much. Yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> cold in Florida right now. It's only 70, you know, and I got a jacket. So that's where uh yeah. Illinois sounds really cold to me. But yeah. that's a that's like a winter wonderland up there, Christmas time. So it is. Uh uh, it'll be interesting, you know, 
come winter time being from California, seeing how I can hang with the cold. So, right, right. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate you and congratulations yeah. again on your nomination. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, if there's, there's one other, there's a couple of things I definitely wanted to just touch on yeah, before we, yeah. you know, closed everything. And that's, you know, kind of going back to what we were previously talking about with the discussion about, you know, gender and perceived gender and sort of, you know, breaking these barriers uh, in the, in the, in the industry. I think it's, important that we also talk about in the same dis discussion about like you can't eradicate sexism with also eradicating racism right like yeah. i think anti-racist work is really important to gender equality and you know there's this there's a well-known professor and scholar kimberly crenshaw who talks about inter intersectionality how both uh race gender class all these different things are are related and you can't really get rid of try and get rid of one without eradicating them all right yeah yeah you can't say oh we're going to you know try and make the industry better for women but then exclude black women or trans women or any of those right. groups right. it has to be everyone's brought to the table we have to uplift everyone as an industry uh, or just in as people in general. Let's not even talk. I I'm talking about the industry just because I'm an audio person. Yeah. So, but I I think that the intersectionality of the discussion of uplifting, you know, women, also needs to include that discussion about eradicating racism. And I think that needs to be talked about a lot more in some of the discussions happening throughout the audio and production world in general yeah agreed like and there's some amazing you know groups too in that are that have been around for a while and are doing great work you know a lot besides sound girls there's roadies of color united is a great group uh color of music collective uh is on instagram and putting out really great zoom content about uh, the industry in general. And so there's so many good resources out there, especially, you know, now that because of the pandemic, there's even more opportunities to find these different networks and yeah. to learn more. So I just, yeah. I highly recommend people doing the research on their own time to learn more. I yeah. Soundgirls actually... has a, sorry, Susan, oh, go ahead. Um, I hate the delay. It makes it so awkward. It's all right. Go ahead. Uh, I actually have a phone call after this one um, with one of the representatives from Diversify the Stage, which was from, uh, it was Noelle uh, Skaggs organization um, from Fits in the Tantrums, which we had another, we had her on another episode before. Uh, so I, there, we're going to talk about what we can do, what I can do as an instructor and a Sound Girls affiliate to help uh, with their new organization getting started and how to uh, move forward and how to just kind of spread the word. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's so many different links and so many different places. And I think the more, the better. Yeah. Well, sure. So many ways to get involved. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I absolutely love, like I, I went on the sound girls, you know, org page and went down the list and what ones can I look at and what ones can I like in my busy week, what one can yeah. I fit in this week? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, like, Oh, I can watch this webinar cause it's 30 seconds, 30 minutes or whatever, you know, and trying to do something weekly for myself, just making that a priority in my schedule, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, because I want to know more about how I can help diversify and, and help include everyone in what I do in my business, as well as personal, you know? Um, and I found that all these links lead to another link to another thing that's got some more information where I'm just like down the rabbit hole, loving it, you know, and I'm learning mm -hmm. so much. And um, I think everyone needs to take that opportunity to do that. So thank you for bringing that to our attention also and, and helping us to keep talking about it. Yeah. And that's, that's really great that you're doing that self-learning too. Cause I think it's a very personal journey that people need to do for themselves. And, you know, just for, since this isn't on video and everything, I am a, a white person. So I like, it's, I've had to come to, terms with that with having that white privilege in my career in my life and you know looking at how that affects my my choices and how that's affected my success in general and look you know the more I learn and the more the I look to black indigenous people of color leaders to educate myself and not ask people to teach me. I go and seek the knowledge myself. I think the more that I learn about being a better human, that's really what it comes down to is just being a better human to other people. Yeah, definitely. And, well, it's, and, and, and also speaking to being a better human, uh, sort of to shift gears on that subject uh, and, kind of go back to what we were talking, you know, earlier talking about, you know, this downtime in the industry. I definitely wanted to mention that I think a lot of people in the live events industry are not in a great place right now. And the relief that's so desperately needed for a lot of personnel in the live events industry is serious. Uh, I wish there was more media attention in like the general news yeah. about it. So I would I would recommend to you know any listeners who have the ability to check out some of the GoFundMe's and relief funds for mm -hmm. industry personnel. I know you know Roadies of Color United is doing a, a COVID relief fund. Crew Nation, which is mainly yep. funded, I think, by Live Nation, has yep. a live music uh, crew relief fund. Even Sound Girls, I think, has a coronavirus yep. relief fund. So. They sure do. You can also check with your favorite band because I've noticed that some of the bands that I listen to, they were selling things or asking donations for their personal crews as well, which mm -hmm. I thought was really cool. I've seen that too. That's so cool. Yep. Yeah. We bought a t-shirt uh, for one of it that said hundred percent of it goes to the, uh, their roadies. Yeah. I know quite a few bands that are doing that too. And some even, uh, you know, my, my girls did uh, like a live, broadcast and played music for an hour and took donations for all of us crew. So that was really cool. Um, so I know a lot of people are doing some cool things like that and uh, it's all over the place. Search the web and search the webs. 
Very cool. And share, 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 share everybody's information, share everybody's online classes, share. Um, speaking of, um, I'm going to plug this one because I can. Uh, Michelle Shabolichek's Mixing Music Live. She is opening mm-hmm. things up uh, in a new course, uh, November 30th. So get on that if you awesome. need some training. Um, I told her we'd plug that for her. So. Oh, totally. Because you're, I mean, you're going to pick the one that your friend or someone that you think is cool is sure. suggesting right so absolutely <laughs> and and to that i think it's also important that we support each other you're saying like share people's social yeah. media yeah um share you know keep in touch with your friends who are in the industry let i think so, uh, that that support whether it's online or in person it's super critical right now yeah lots of people are coming up with some creative cool ideas to make some money in the meantime so share that stuff so people can do it and you know? Yeah, I yeah. have a Christmas list of stuff. Uh, some of my friends or friends of friends have like Etsy shops for things. Yep. yep. So I'm doing, it's not necessarily shop local because they're not in my area, but it's shop small. So I'm going yeah. to buy everything I can from from that sort of stuff instead. Yeah, it's helping. Uh, I know some tour personnel that have started their own shops and their own websites and bumper stickers and headphones and sunglasses and all that. Masks. So, <laughs> yep. Masks. Share that. Buy it. Yeah. Let's present it up. <laughs> well, happy holidays, Erica. And uh, thanks so much for joining us today. We yeah. Thank you. you for having me. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy holidays to you guys. You folks. <laughs> so I'm, I'm also from California. So I'm trying to get over using guys and dudes as right. general Dude, all-inclusive terms. I, I feel like well. dudes should I want to reclaim all. dudes because I, I love dudes. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> it's not just men or boys. It's all you dudes. I love that one. It's, that's, a tar- that's a hard one for me to give up. Me too. <laughs> We're working Sometimes on Sometimes you got to kill your darlings though. There you go. You know what? You're right. <laughs> Thank you All right. so much for this conversation, Erica. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you guys reaching out to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. You can find out more information on the website, soundgirls.org. 